0: Well, here we are just a few weeks away from the end of the year, and it's very nice that we have this theme of prayer. We heard it last week with the uh, example of the woman who came to the judge demanding that he hear her case and give her justice. And the judge was corrupt, but he finally listened to her because he said, she's going to beat me up. I've got I to get rid of this lady. So he ruled in her favor. And Jesus says, pray like her. Pray insistently like she was insistent before the judge. Today he says something more about prayer, but it's a lot more subtle and and I think very, very important. Um, We're set up for it by the first reading, a beautiful section from the wisdom literature. And in it, uh, the, the wisdom literature said, God has no favorites, but he does seem to show partiality for the poor. And then we all sang together several times, the Lord hears the cry of the poor. And there were many, many phrases in there about how God responds to the poor, the brokenhearted. And then in the second reading, Paul's writing this letter. He's in prison. He's been before the judges. He's, he was abandoned. Nobody there stood with him. But he says in his poverty, in his imprisonment and poverty, he says, but the Lord stood there by my side. The Lord had his back, and Paul knew it. And so in that context, Jesus speaks about the prayer of two different people, a Pharisee, very self-righteous, and a a sinner. Now, it is important to know something about tax collectors. Tax collectors uh, worked for the Romans. They were Jews working for the Romans. And um, say, let's say, for example, Noel... I'm the, I'm the tax collector. Noel has to pay $50 uh, for his, uh, uh, his taxes, but I charge him $65. Who do you think the, 60, the extra $15 is going to? Moi. Moi. And so I could do that because there was a big Roman army behind me that would protect me. And why would they protect me? Well, I'm sending $50 to Rome. They're getting paid by Rome. And so the tax collectors were able to be corrupt. And everybody knew it. They didn't like them at all. They called him big sinners. Um, but the Pharisees and scribes pretty much were self-righteous people, always, always proud and bragging, very arrogant. They knew it all or thought they did. So this is who Jesus is going to talk about as he talks to scribes and Pharisees. But before I go there, I entered the seminary when I was 14 And um, I spent 12 years there, four years of high school, four years of college, and four years of theology. And uh, one of the great gifts that I got was the day I arrived, um, they needed people who could play the piano and organ for for the music program, for our morning prayer, night prayer, evening prayer, and for Mass. So every single day of my 12 years, I got to play the piano or the organ, or both. And it was thrilling. It was thrilling because I loved classical music and, and, and it just was wonderful that I got to use that gift again and again all through my preparation. Um, but there was a guy there who, he couldn't play an instrument, but he could play his voice. He had a magnificent voice. Loved opera. Loved opera. and um, But, but he, I think he didn't feel that he was appreciated or... I think he wasn't very confident in himself, I'm not sure, because he would never let you compliment him because he'd beat you to it. If I were going up to him and I thought he sang beautifully that day and if I was going to go up and say, oh, you know, that was really lovely today, he says, that was good, wasn't it? Didn't I do a good job? Wow, I, I think I'm really good, aren't I? Don't you think I am? And, and he would always uh, beat you to it. wouldn't allow you to, to give him any praise or any compliments. And I thought it was tragic, thought it was tragic because people love to acknowledge when they see something beautiful or good, but nobody was allowed to because he'd always beat us there. And I, like I said, I can't judge another person, but it appeared to me that he didn't feel that people thought he was any good. So he had to kind of declare it and, and get them to agree with him. Now, that's something like what Jesus is talking about. But the Pharisees were super arrogant. Imagine! Well, first of all, they were very well educated. They were probably the 1% that could read and write. And they uh, had money, they were educated, and they were able, and they were in a, a certain class of people. And they sat up in the front rows of front seats of the synagogues, and they they wore all these tassels, and they were always talking about themselves and how much they knew about the law and this and that. So Jesus tells a parable about these two men praying. And he starts with the Pharisee. By the way, he's saying this to the Pharisees, okay, to them. He says a Pharisee came into the temple to pray. And he stood there, and he said, Oh, God, thank God, I'm not like those other people in the world who are greedy and adulterous and and creepy people. No, 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 no. I pay tithes on everything I earn. I fast twice a week. I am so wonderful, God. God bless you and God bless me. I'm wonderful. I'm improvising a little bit, okay? Um, And Jesus says he was so self-righteous doesn't sound like he needed God at all. He was enough for himself. But this, this publican, this, this, this tax collector, acknowledged by all as a sinner, and to whom the Pharisee or about whom the Pharisee says to God, and thank God especially, I'm not like that tax collector over there. Well, that tax collector over there opens his mouth, Doesn't even look up. The heaven just looks down and beats his best. My God, have mercy on me a sinner. And Jesus says that one was justified, not the first one. We have a practice in the church called fasting. It's referred to in the gospel. And uh, by the way, the the Pharisee was doing a good job. He was fasting twice a day and giving uh, generously to the temple. He did good things, but he, but he had to announce it to everybody. We had this practice called fasting that uh, we're supposed to do a little bit more of it during Lent, but we also were supposed to fast, are supposed to fast one hour before we receive communion. I think it's a ridiculous rule now because it, it just doesn't mean anything. Because the purpose of fasting, in medical circles, they say it helps purify the body cleanse the body. But in spiritual circles, the purpose of fasting is to become empty and feel empty. Because um, if we come before God full, full of ourselves, full of anything, and and not needing God, we we talk like that Pharisee. Thank God I'm not like the rest of the world. Look at me. Look at me. Look at all the good I do. No need for God. So the church said, before you receive communion, before you take Jesus Christ into your body as food, what if your body were empty and you were feeling hungry and thirsty? So uh, we're supposed to fast an hour before, but, but you know, if, if, if I was going to the noon mass and communion's at 12.30, I could eat up until 11.30. So let's say, I, like a piggy pig pig, I'm eating like mad at home and get my last cup of coffee. Oh, good, I made it. I, I finished an hour before. And then on the way over, I smell donuts. Oh, please, I'm full. I'm full. Um, If I'm full physically, how about me spiritually? Am I even aware of it? So the church said, get hungry. So when I was a kid, before we could go to communion, it was three hours of fasting. Not supposed to eat or drink anything. So if I was going to receive communion at at 12, 12 o'clock mass at 12 30. I could eat up until 9 30, stuff my face, then 9.30, 30, 10 30, 30, 12 30, three hours. Now, I probably would begin to feel a little hungry or thirsty. Maybe on the way over, pass by the donut shop, and i hmm, maybe I'll have to get a donut after mass, okay? But my parents had to fast from midnight. I don't know if anybody here knows uh, shoes couldn't eat or drink anything after midnight. So if you're going to the 12 Mass on the next day at 12.30, you'd receive communion. You couldn't eat or drink anything from 12 midnight to 12.30. You were hungry. You were thirsty. And the point of that was if you could feel actual physical hunger and thirst and desire, a longing, I'm I'm so hungry, you pass by the donut shop on the way over, you go, oh my God, please, hurry up. Pass it, pass it, pass it. It almost hurts, I'm so hungry, then there's a better likelihood that you can make the spiritual connection with hunger and thirst. And what are we hunger and thirst for? All kinds of things. Mercy, love, forgiveness, compassion, justice, peace, healing, unity, all kinds of things that we might long for in our own lives, in our families, in our community, in our world. So spiritually speaking, when we can empty ourselves, become poor inside so that we can be enriched by our God. As we come through the front doors of the church, make sign of the cross with holy water, walk in, and like like, like that public and the tax collector saying, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Oh, God, I'm so hungry and thirsty for you. Fill me with your life. Give Give me your love. Guide me. Teach me. Walk with me. Back me up, Lord. Back me up. That's the purpose. And the sad, sad story in this gospel today is it appears that the Pharisee couldn't feel any of that. Wasn't even aware. So full of himself. So full of himself. And then Jesus wraps it all up with this this wonderful and awful phrase at the same time. He says, The humble will be exalted and the exalted will be humbled. And I think it's true, spiritually speaking. If there's no room for God in my life, if I have nothing that I'm longing for, what do I need? What am I doing? Where am I going? How am I living? But Jesus says it's a good thing to know what we long for. It's a good thing to hope and want and seek and pray. And if we can come before God humbly enough, he says for sure, God will show partiality toward us. He will exalt us with his love.